Hello, gardeners, farmers, compost enthusiasts, and growers. Welcome to The Healthy Garden, the show where soil is important and growing a healthier world is job one. One of the great issues of any society is inequity. All societies forever have had to deal with situations which lacked fairness or justice. Inequity spills over into the general thought or construct of a people and then becomes a sticking point, a mile marker of when, once again, mankind did not do the right thing. There are many examples, and this is something that I think we ought to not be fickle about. Modern 2023 mankind has become a different species, a different inhabitant. We are a socially reactive species that no longer, for the most part, uses sound judgment or reasoning in making decisions. Images, influencers, video clips, one-minute slogans, one-second slogans all push public policy and create up-to-the-minute facts that aren't really facts at all. They are opinions, beliefs, feelings. We are a civilization on the verge of nothingness when it comes to substance. The 2023 version of the citizenry of the earth has become a very sad example of humanity. For that reason, I have chosen to speak about inequality, not the fake inequality that is tossed around on social media like paper towels to clean up a mess, a spill in the kitchen of our untreated society, and that pins the inequity badge on undeserving heroes and champions. Inequity is alive and well today. It always has been. It always will be. Unless man completely divests him or herself from greed, envy, lust, hatred, control, and deception, we will continue to battle inequities for as long as we inhabit this planet. Today, on episode number 61 of the Healthy Garden Podcast, I am going to address the topic of inequity in gardening. Yes, the happy, jumpy, campy world of gardening is no different than any other faction or special interest of our society. And with that comes disinformation, isolation, and division. I know it seems like a strange concept to couple the social cry of social injustice, inequity, with the world of gardening, but the truth is just like there are food deserts, places where citizens cannot find safe, healthy food to eat in the inner cities of America, there are garden deserts all across this planet where gardeners or people who want to grow cannot find safe, healthy products, soils, amendments, fertilizer, seed, or plants to grow with. This is a huge issue that no one is talking about. Of course, the Healthy Garden Podcast will tackle this because we seem to be the only people in gardening who dare speak up about the atrocities in gardening at the same time that we will share the real wonders of gardening. It is a dichotomy, gardeners. 
And for me, until the last drop of chemical residue is out of your garden, your soil, your plants, your veggies, your harvest, then I will fight the atrocities waged against you and the world by big chem and big ag. The chemical world is real and must be stopped. As with many of the injustices that face the undeserved and the underprivileged, the road leads back to the money, the corporations, the bad leaders, the phonies, and the lust for greed and power. This practice of systematic and systematically imposed inequity is alive and well in the garden today. Hi gardeners, I'm an organic gardener, farmer, landscaper, and your host of the Healthy Garden Podcast. I wrote 100 Years of Deception, Why Gardening Must Change, because I found that people really don't know that the food they eat and the products they buy to use in their gardens are toxic. Big chem and big ag are poisoning us. I tell you how in my new book, 100 Years of Deception, Why Gardening Must Change, available on Amazon.com from Next Generation Publishing. I used the analogy earlier of a food desert. There are all kinds of deserts out there in our society, but they all start with misinformation or a campaign of disinformation. No one can survive on the amount of money that is supplied by the welfare state of any nation. Welfare was a stopgap measure to help people get back on their feet. Disability was created for those incapable of doing that, what has happened for many is that they don't know that they can rise above. It is the politicians who are controlled by big money who have not allowed this to occur. And it has just gotten worse. Politicians, well, most politicians, just like most corporations, don't care about you. They care about themselves, getting their money and carving out as much pie for themselves as they can before their careers move on to the gravy train of politics. Board positions, public speaking, book tours, cushy management jobs for which they are not qualified, those are the perks. The perks offered up by big money who controls the whole shooting match. They control big chem, big ag, big pharma, big medical, big food, big entertainment, which is part of big news, and now big social media, all of it. So if you want to know why certain parts of the cities that you live in have no organic food, no healthy options, barely any markets, farmers markets, grocery stores, and zero plant nurseries, then look no further than the list I just gave you. 
and start with your local politicians. Most likely, they're weasels, thieves, and cheats. And if they aren't when they get there, they most likely will be on their way out. So since this is a gardening show, let's talk about gardening and how gardening has inequities tied to its floral print, shiny bag, plant starts grown in poison industry. And the philosophy that has dominated gardening since the 1950s and before that in the early 1900s when chemical farming was created in a laboratory. Not created like creation, but created in a man's mind for money. The gardening desert of inequity exists for not just those in the inner city or in the rural ghettos that dot every country across the globe. They exist everywhere. Any house in the world that is a green and yellow box of miracle salt has been afflicted with the inequity that exists in gardening. Why? How can I say such a thing? Because it's the truth. You and every single person, gardener, wannabe gardener, that has ever bought a box of that crap has been marketed to, lied to, and hoodwinked into purchasing something that is not good, unnecessary, and untrue. The people that make it know that. The people that distribute it should know that. And certainly the people selling it to you ought to know that. Well, I take that back. If it's a big box or a big bozo, I like to call them, and you bought it there, probably not. Those places are asleep, and so are the people that work there. They've been lulled into a sense of conformity and hopelessness, that working in the big store is at least a consistent source of income, kind of like the old union jobs and the big company job of the past that don't exist anymore. The bigs are the new company store. You can get in, but you may not get out. My point a second ago is that everyone, even you organic and natural gardeners, are being poisoned by stuff that you're buying that you think is good, but it is not. You also get free stuff that you think is good, but it is not. Why? Because no one has had the guts to tell you the truth because they are in on the game. That is part of the inequity. The bad guys know the rules of the game because they created them. You guys are all playing along, not even realizing that horse manure can be toxic, chicken manure can be toxic, and that all the BT garbage they've been pushing for years now can have disastrous effects on the ecology. Don't believe me? Look it up. I am going to get to a really great piece of gardening in this episode, but first things first. So the desert, the garden desert, and I don't mean gardening in Palm Springs, it exists. I've gardened in Palm Springs. It's hard, but totally doable if you work with nature, work with biology. And that is exactly what the bad guys and all of the companies that hawk you toxic garden products and faux organic garden products all know and don't want you to know. They would rather continue to aid and abet their poisoning of your garden and your body and soul than to eliminate their chemical mixes, 
They're animal byproducts and amendments created by the inhumane food production of big ag and also the toxic glyphosate sprayed green waste that you all get from big trash when it comes in a potting soil mix as green waste compost. The fix is in. In fact, the next big fake out, hey, this is a bulletin. This is alert because I just heard this, which blows my mind. This next big fake out is coming with the removal of glyphosate and a reformulation campaign of a very popular herbicide. Do you think they reformulated it because it was the right thing to do or because they are getting destroyed by lawsuits? By the way, why hasn't the government stepped in and stopped this madness? Because of what I told you earlier, they're all on the take. As I said, this has happened many times in history. The issue with this poisoning, this killing field, this silent spring, is that everyone has gone back into their fast-paced, cashless, godless, spineless society while the whole world is being poisoned. The logic that there is nothing that we, the collective we, or any one person can do about this is wrong. It's not the truth. It starts with one voice, one stroke of a pen, or one click of a keyboard. When people don't stand up and do the right thing, things like the Irish potato famine happen. Since we're gardeners and many of us grow potatoes, I thought I'd bring up something that was an absolute travesty, completely avoidable, and a great example of inequity. Many of you have heard of the Great Famine, which I had first learned of as a child as the Irish Potato Famine. My dad was big on history, and he taught me one day about a crop failure in Ireland that became much more than that, and in the end, over a million people died of starvation and typhus. It was what also created mass immigration, maybe upwards of 2 million between 1841 and 1850, of the Irish population to America. In that time span, some say that up to 49% of the total immigrants into the United States were Irish. The Irish potato famine of 1845 to 1849 was the worst in Europe in the 19th century. So what happened? The potato crop failed because of a late blight that was caused by water mold, Phytophthora infetans. The fungal disease occurs in humid places where temperatures average between 40 and 80 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 4 to 29 degrees Celsius. It doesn't actually occur in places with hot dry weather. It affects potatoes and tomatoes. In fact, in the U.S., a late blight wiped out half of the tomato crop of the eastern U.S. in 1946. This led to the creation of a blight forecasting service in 1947, which up to this day is still operating in some universities and governments across the globe. A lot of oversight, good and bad, go on between the link between global universities and governments. Remember that down the road when you are asking yourself why and how the poisons and toxins got into your gardens, your food, your health, and your body. Speaking of government, let's look at the inequity piece of the famine. 
Let's look at the British government's response. Even though people were starving in Ireland, the Conservative PM or Prime Minister Sir Robert Peel would not shut down the Tory-backed cereal grains program and continued to allow grains to be shipped to England to feed their domestic, city-based working population from Ireland. He did fight with his conscience, however, and in 1845, he brought relief in the form of corn from the United States. It helped, but it was a little too late. His act of conscience ended up causing Peel his office, and a liberal Whig prime minister, Lord John Russell, took power. His government continued Peel's relief effort, but took a very lax or laissez-faire approach to Ireland. The Whigs, pre-globalist, felt that Ireland's problem was Ireland's problem. Sounds a lot like the food deserts of cities across the globe to me. It's the poor, the underserved's problem, not society's problem that in the modern case has been created and sustained by the governments and lackeys of the elitist global big money, big gov, big food, and big chem. In Ireland, the rich landowners couldn't afford the burden and ultimately kicked their poor farming peasants off their land which landed many of the able-bodied Irish into harsh British workhouses for the poor to pay off their debt to the great society by building roads and public works. By August of 1847, up to three million people were being fed through soup kitchens. Many British intellectuals blamed the famine on the rising birth rates of Ireland, which was primarily a Catholic country. They blamed their religion, their choice, and believed the Irish to be a flawed people. Pretty sick, right? Well, it was and it is. For any group to wield power, and by the way, I'm going to tell you what actually happened with the famine next, which makes it even sicker. To allow populations to suffer unnecessarily is wicked. The inequity of the globalist is alive and well today. Millions of lives were affected by the Great Famine. Today, millions of lives are affected by the great atrocity of the inequity of gardening from the chemical power killers who are controlled by the same global class. More on that and how to stop Phytophthora in your garden naturally next. Soil companies add lime to potting soils and mixes to raise the soil pH. Why do so many potting soils need to have their pH raised? 
The answer is because the ingredients in them make them too acidic. In nature, pH is adjusted by microbes. This tells me that most of the soils in the pretty multicolored bags don't have much biology in them. This has been an excerpt from A Hundred Years of Deception. I know this seems like a very serious podcast for me. No laugh tracks, no mariachis, but this is serious. I know that we are all systematically being poisoned by Big Chem and Big Ag. It's no laughing matter. I am an industry insider. I started a compost company. I've had to deal with the truth about their system for years, and I can no longer sit idly by and watch people I care about. All of you suffer needlessly because of greed and misinformation. I can't stand that people in the lawn and garden industry, of which I am part of, turn a blind eye, much as the British government did to the famine to the lies, the false nicey-nice attitude of gardening companies and products that are filled with toxins and that no one wants to talk about or acknowledge. The truth is that if you are buying any product from a big national or big regional lawn and garden manufacturer, even the organic and natural soils, compost, amendments, fertilizers, fungicides, or, fe- or pest products, then you better be sure that product doesn't have some sort of chemical or toxic residue in it because they sure as hell aren't going to tell you. And for some, like the sales reps, the marketing people, the AR and AC people from accounting, rather AP people from accounting, probably the AC guy too, the delivery drivers, a lot of the other team members, I don't think they even know, and frankly, I don't think they really care. Most of them are asleep when it comes to what the companies they work for actually do. But for the people at the top, they know what they do, and it is evil and corrupt, and I hope they all get what is due them. They are a big part of the source of inequity in gardening. And one of the reasons that we do this podcast, to ignite the real organic revolution. It's time, people. As I say most weeks, go into your nursery and demand better products. Reach out to us and we will let you know what is safe, what is good, what is unique to the offerings versus what is stacked high in the nursery shelves or on the shelves of the depot. For now, you can DM us on the, at the Healthy Garden Lifestyle on Instagram or the Healthy Garden Lifestyle on Facebook. We'll get back to you. We've got to take this fight back to where we buy our stuff from with our wallets. If we don't stand up to the poisoning of our own gardens, our food, and our environment, then who is going to? I want to get back to something from the last segment. The water mold, Phytophthora investin, is a fungi. A fungi that is not fun at all. 
it was first identified as the probable cause of late blight by Miles Joseph Berkeley in 1846. So think about that. All that stuff happened. England did nothing, really, to take care of the issue. And people died. And it was a fungal disease. Berkeley is generally accepted as the founder of British mycology. His work as a vicar near Market Harborough left him time to become a leading authority on lichens, fungi systematics, and plant pathology. Although he had a broad interest in many aspects of the natural world. For those of you who don't know, a vicar in canon law is a priest that works with or in place of the pastor of a parish. In the Church of England, a vicar is the priest of a parish who receives a stipend. His official place of residence is a vicarage at the church. Back to the famine, real quick. Then I'll throw out some solutions for you. Phytophthora moves quickly in the soil, stays in the soil, and with monocropping situations like the potato crop in Ireland, it is very hard to get rid of. By the way, it came from potatoes from North America in 1845 and literally almost wiped out an island. Infected plants show lesions that resemble frost injury on the leaves and the stems. It's a whitish growth that appears on the underside, the undersurface. Potato tubers develop rot down to half an inch deep, and then secondary fungi and bacteria invade the potato tubers and produce rotting that results in great losses during storage, transit, and marketing. That is what happened during the famine and can still happen today in our gardens. The common treatment is fungicide. Chemicals used to fight late blight are site-specific applications that affect, the, that affect the metabolic pathways of a plant. Fungicides like azoxytrobin, fluzanamon, mandapropamid, and metalaxyl have been the mainstay and are allegedly safer for the environment. I don't think so. In organic farming, they permit the use of broad-spectrum fungicides like sulfur, copper sulfate, and other copper compounds. But I'm sure that many of you, especially those of you who listen regularly, would guess that that is not my solution or what I use. I use compost teas, compost and a good drying out of the area of infection. My recommendation is depending on where you are and where this occurs, is a couple of different methodologies. In ground, you will want to remove all of the plant material and dispose of it, not compost it, trash it. Then, let the area dry out. Let it get sun and no water until the area is dry, completely dry. Then you will want to drench the area with compost tea or... You can also do this. If you can get some SLF 100, the bacterial enzyme, you do a drench with that and then come back with drenches of compost tea. Let the area dry again after each application of the tea or the SLF 100. Then 
dig up about two to three inches of soil and mix it with good finished real organic compost. Fill the area back in with this mix and then apply another compost tea. Let the area dry out again and then let it go fallow for a growing season. Then a month prior to planting, top dress with compost at an eighth of an inch and apply another drench of compost tea. For your container gardens, remove all the soil. Put it in a plastic trash bag and close them tight. Ziploc and then go ahead and put um, Gorilla Tape around it. Then let the bags of bad soil bake in the sun. Then throw them in the trash. Clean your containers with EM1 and water as a solution, a cleaning solution. Then let them dry completely in the sun. In fact, let the containers bake for a couple of weeks. Then you can refill the containers with a good, real organic potting soil. And then make sure that you have at least 25 to 33% of your good finished compost in that new mix. And then start drenching with the compost tea right after planting. This should stop your Phytophthora issue. That is how we do it, folks. We biologically and real organically attack the problems that pop up in our gardens. We treat the inequities of the world with knowledge and compassion. And now you know why I don't believe in the failed solutions of governments or chemical companies to treat my garden, my food, my body, or the environment I live in. I hope today we shed some light on a serious subject. Thank you for letting me get it off my chest. We also learned how to solve a potential fungal issue and how we can help overcome inequity in gardening. That concludes this episode of the Healthy Garden Podcast. Please post your questions on the Healthy Garden Podcast pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us next week to learn more about how you can free yourself from the chemical and synthetic trap that's been set to keep you from growing a true, organic, and healthy garden. Until then, happy and healthy gardening.